ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard to Pay with David Grubb. I, of course, am David Grubb, and joining me today is my friend, my brother, my man, uh, the one and only Dino to Dean Hanson, and we're going to talk some hoops. That's what we do. So, Dino, we're going to high-low today on a Tuesday rather than a Thursday, but we had to miss last week for, you know, I was out um, working in Lafayette, covering up there, so we didn't get to cover last week, but we got a couple more games, and in the meantime, with these Pelicans, including last night's really sad looking defeat that was that was discouraging basketball and this uh, let's just start with that game in particular and then we'll get to the, the things around this team i literally befuddled you play and compete at a high level against the milwaukee bucks and Sacramento last night, as pathetic looking as it was, you were still in the game until, and people need to put some respect on De'Aaron Fox's name. Yes. That do, that, that have not, that has not seen De'Aaron Fox play and understand, despite him being in Sacramento, where you don't get to see a lot of them play their games, De'Aaron Fox did what we have been clamoring for a New Orleans Pelicans to do, that being a player who has just decided, I'm going to be the alpha dog and I'm going to take over this game. And that's exactly what De'Aaron Fox did, came down to the fourth quarter when the Pelicans were still in the game, despite the lethargic and pathetic way in which they displayed the game of basketball last night. De'Aaron Fox took the shit personal, as we have stated before, until somebody on this team, and I'm, let's just cut to the chase, until you have an alpha dog on this team consistently who says, I refuse to lose, you will continue to lose. Because last night, De'Aaron Fox said, I'd be damned if I'm losing to the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't care if they beat the Milwaukee Bucks a couple of days ago. I got news for them after also the Pelicans just losing in the fashion that they did to the Houston Rockets. It is inexcusable the display and the lethargic aspect of which this basketball team plays. Yes, early on, Lonzo knocked down a couple of three-pointers. And no question, his shot has vastly improved. But if you remember, I told you last year, we talked about it last year, people were like, oh, he's a jump shooter. Stop. Nobody becomes a jump shooter consistently. Just because you're jumping and you're shooting doesn't make you a jump shooter, okay? Consistency is what makes you a jump shooter. Everybody can jump and everybody can shoot. It doesn't mean that's what you do best. But the fact that, and that's what stands out more than anything else to me last night is that De'Aaron Fox decided enough of this shit. I'm closing this out. The Pelicans played no defense. The one time in particular, which we've always talked about the defense, it's to the point that, it's to the point that you know from a coaching standpoint, as a, as a player as well, 
when the coach has to keep telling you the same basic defensive principles over and over and over again, a coach will tell you, I'd much rather put in the least talented guy who I know is going to give me exactly what I need on the defensive end, as opposed to keep dealing with somebody who thinks they have all the talent in the world that just does not bring it. But when De'Aaron Fox decided he was going to go left, reverse dribble between two cats, act like he was going to pass it to the left corner and still goes to the lane and scores. And then from there proceeded to say, I'm not even done yet. He went to the cup with no, nobody putting a body on him. Not one person even drove him off of his path or said, let me meet the challenge. But before he gets to the rim, let me knock him on his ass because we are in a game winning situation right now. There is no, you know, Darren Fox is a decent three point shooter, a decent one, not a great one. Again, he's a guy who gets like most players. He gets hot. He has good moments, but he's not a three point shooter. You want to make him into a shooter. You know, his mm-hmm. drive is what he relies on, that his speed is quickness to create for others. He wants to touch the paint with his feet. That's what we talk about over and over again. People say that getting two feet in the paint, like, like Red Man said, I live in the paint like AI shoes, right? Right. That's where you want to be. Darren Fox. In the fourth quarter, six of eight shooting overall. Inside the three-point line, <laughs> six, I mean, excuse me, it's six of eight inside the three-point line. The two he missed, he missed one at the rim, and he missed one that was on the line where he shot like he had his foot on the three-point line. They called it a two-point attempt. Everything else was finishing at the rim. At the rim. No, you didn't challenge him you didn't make it difficult for him and not only like you said you didn't put him on his ass he only had two free throw attempts so you weren't even making it difficult for him to score the points you weren't forcing him to go to the line and make free throws what you were telling him was you go if you once you get past the first line there's nothing back here for you and so he drew only there was there was nothing to defend and and that happened so consistently during that game. And then you look at a dude like Harrison Barnes, who if you've been the Pelicans, if you just, even if Stan Van Gundy just walked in the door, somebody on the Pelicans should have hipped him to the fact that every time Harrison Barnes steps in the Smoothie King Center, that Negro goes off. He lights him up. He puts in work. And the Pels, and I just did the Ole on purpose because you've heard this term used by coaches and you've used it as well. You're playing matador defense. For those that have never seen a bullfight, That's the bullfighters who have the red flag hanging in front of them. And when the bull comes, they just sweep it on out the way. And you're like, ole, let me create a path for anybody on this team to do. Dave, what's frustrating for me is the level and lack thereof resistance to anybody at any time. You don't see any personal pride whatsoever. Ever. You don't see anybody getting pissed off. You don't see any attitude whatsoever. You see guys that are just like, well, I got my uniform on and I play in the NBA. And you see a lot of, and we've seen this lately from a lot of players in general. And I was having this conversation with the guys from the bird rights in our group. And my thing is this, and everybody's, you know, they showed that, remember when they showed that close up of Brandon Ingram, 
couple games ago and he had his hands, you know, his head, his hands, and his on, frustrated and stuff. And people are like, well, that's what I want to see. I want to see that frustration. And I was like, no, nah, that's not what I want to see. That's not frustration. That's not what I want to see. I said, I want to see anger because I said the ones that are great, the ones that are great would not accept this. You, even if there is losing, like I said, people will like to point out that Jordan's teams made the playoffs with losing records. But it, even in that, there is a pride in saying, I'm in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in the playoffs. I fought for this spot. It meant something to me. Coming back, that the whole story of Kim coming back from that foot injury and saying, it may not mean anything to you, but making the playoffs means something to me. And I'm to willing me. to risk my foot for that. That just like when we talk about with Clay Thompson last year, we talk about with Kobe Bryant and the Achilles, but even it doesn't have to be injury related. When you see this, when you see when people are, I'm going to go all the way back to the brand, the article. Did you read the article about Brandon Ingram where they talked about all the coaches and him saying, I want to be cursed at and yelled at. at, And he said, I want to, basically, I want to have an aggressive coach who pushes me to be better. Well, my thing is, it's either in you or it's not. It's not. It's no question of, to me, greatness. If you truly believe you're great, that is something that I can't teach you. LeBron James walked in in the NBA, King James. He walked in fully formed mentally with that attitude. I am King James. I the eight being eighteen ain't too big for me. Kobe Bryant walks in. I am Kobe Bean Bryant. I'll be the first successful guard to come out of high school. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the greatest player of all time. Greatness is it. It's not something that you ask somebody to pull out of you. They can refine it. They can sharpen it. They can hone it. That's what a great coach does is once he identifies the the greatest player, once you identify those who can truly be legendary, you continue to point them in the direction to take them to that level. But there is never a moment of doubt in their mind of that player, whether it's Dr. J, whether it's Dwayne Wade, whether it's Dirk Nowitzki. There's There's never a doubt in their mind. They may doubt their game in that moment when they have rough moments, but they believe they're great. And you can't tell them otherwise. And they hold other people to that standard. If I, if you won't walk along me, I expect you to walk at my standard, not perform as I perform, but walk at my standard. So what standard are you setting, Brandon? That's my question. What standard are you setting? They have to talk about wanting someone to bring greatness out of you and what you're referring to. It's like a piece of clay, okay? And we can shape you, we can mold you, but we can't make you a fighter. Either you are a fighter, and that's already ingrained in you in your DNA, and what happens is a lot of people will mistake you being a fighter, your aggressiveness, your attitude, they will mistake that as an air of being verbose, an air of being arrogant. No, that means I have a killer in me and I am going to do what it takes. Now, 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 a coach can, as you said, refine those things and help shape them and guide you a little bit better. But I can only bring out of you what is already there. If you don't have it, my words and my direction means nothing. It doesn't matter what I bring to the table. It doesn't matter what positions I put you in to be successful. 
If you are not a killer, you're not a killer. And no coach can make you a killer. No coach can make you say, I'm going to play with this air of toughness and tenacity. Either you have it or you don't. It's just that simple. Think about how long people wanted uh, Drew to speak up and be more vocal. That That's not who Drew was. Same thing when it comes to AD. Well, we need AD to be a leader. AD is not a leader. The reason why he and LeBron can coexist so well is because AD does not want to have to be that guy. Everybody talks about being the man. But, it's but like nobody wants to really carry that. There are very few guys who are willing to walk into the arena and say, I am the baddest man here, and I dare you to knock me off this pedestal in a real way. And I'm not talking about I can score some buckets tonight. I'm right. talking about is we're not, I'm not going to lose here. I'm willing to die to win here. And that's, you know, Chris Paul, and that's why I don't, you don't judge it by championships. You judge it by the way people play. And you can say, yeah, Chris Paul should have probably have gotten far in the playoffs. And I absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. I know Chris Paul will die for the win. He and I know Chris Paul is going to make my team better. I know Chris Paul is going to hold me, himself, and other players accountable. Every minute of, of the day. He's not going to ask anything from them that he won't do. Even last night when Devin Booker hit that game-winning shot, it was so funny watching Chris Paul's reaction. And if people go back to the video, you'll see. Chris Paul is jubilant and elated and jumps into Devin Booker. Devin Booker, on the other hand, was like, calm down. Calm down. We got this. Dude, Chris Paul has been a winner everywhere he goes because that's just in his DNA. Okay. Byron Scott didn't make Chris Paul a winner. Okay. Going to OKC with Billy Donovan didn't make Chris Paul a winner. Being in LA with, with, with Doc Rivers didn't make him a winner. Being down here in Monty, if everywhere, you've heard this before. If Something smells everywhere you go. Well, damn it, it's probably you. If you're going to all these different places and you're still getting the same results that's infecting everybody else, that's because Chris Paul is that guy. He infuses that. There is nobody. And you know, as much as Nikhil is my guy, Nikhil is not. And and, and I want to clarify this also, Dave. We're not, I'm not saying that you have to be this overly vocal individual. No, not saying that at all. But there's a level of leadership and qualities that you just possess, and it shows. Last night, was De'Aaron Fox talking it and getting into his player's face? No. But you knew he was going to meet the challenge by his actions. He didn't have to ask for the ball either. You know what I'm saying? like... Your teammates at that point, and yeah, you can say it's easier because he's the point guard, but I, I mean, this is what great players do. You demand the basketball, and you do it however you have to demand it. If it's in the huddle and you tell everybody, I got this, I'm making the decisions for the next five minutes, just just rock with what I do, then that's yep. how it goes. That's, how, that's what great players do, and that's the same thing. It's, it's happened in every – there are times I guarantee you where LeBron, and we know this for a fact, LeBron goes over to the sideline. He said, coach, I got this. Just, just follow what I'm doing. I got it. I'm going to call what we do on the court for the next several minutes. It's and him. fortunately, he has 
one of the second best players in the league on his team who loves to follow. And he does that and the rest of the team also follows. And that's the thing about it. They, the Pels are so frustrating from an energy standpoint, from an effort standpoint. You've got, and no pun intended when I'm using the word Stan, because I'm not talking about Stan Van Gundy, okay? But I say that to simply say this. We know Stan is an aggressive coach. Remember when Shaq used to talk about it, Dwight Howard? We've seen it on display. That's why he wanted to get back on the sideline. But as a player, it's my responsibility. It's got to be somebody's responsibility on that team. Steven Adams, for all that he does and is necessary, he's not that guy. You don't have... Eric Bledsoe, which we, and I'm so tired of talking about this because you and I have talked about this from the moment he came to New Orleans. It's so exhaustive that people, well, why can't Eric do this? Why? He's not that guy. And he clearly doesn't want to be in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Because he's not playing with the contender at all. He's not playing. Like it's not even an he's not even trying on defense. He knows he can still shoot. And you see him stepping into these threes and he's making a lot of threes, but he's not driving to the rim. He's not getting free throw attempts. That was he was supposed to do. That's why you brought him and you spoke he was put alongside Lonzo Ball was because he was gonna be the driver. He was gonna be the guy who attacked the rim. He wasn't supposed to be the catch and shoot guy. Three turnovers last night. Two of seven from three-point range, uh, two rebounds, four assists, five of 11 total from the field. (sighs) Bruh, I don't – he played 36 minutes last night. 36 minutes. Dang, there is no level whatsoever of guys on this team that have shown me a level of, yeah, and people can say, well, Brandon Ingram scored 20 last night. He's 6 of 20. He's 6 of 20. And, David, you know this. When your jumper isn't wet and it's not falling, what do you do? You go to the rim. You make the game easy. You get mid-range shots. You get in your comfort zone. Seven threes, one for seven from three last night for, for Ingram. It was unnecessary. I didn't understand it. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm going to cut that. Let me go back. No, no, but, you're good. Um, yeah, seven threes last night with him is unnecessary. One for seven. And this is what the Pelicans do too. Look, there's a reason. And, and this was on Twitter today and, and it was discussed. The Pelicans are the best first quarter team in the NBA. They're the best first quarter team. And they're the absolute worst second quarter team in the NBA. And what does that tell you? It tells you a bunch of things. And then they come out and they're bad in the third quarter too, but they're not nearly as bad in the third quarter as they're in the second quarter, but the, but they're bad in the third quarter too. So it, you, your starters come out and they're fine. They, they can match up against any starting five in this league. Every night we see it. Starters come out every night, any starting five in the league, this group. But the minute something changes, the minute you bring somebody in off the bench, the minute the defensive rotations have to have to change, the minute the offense who who's, who has to handle the ball all of a sudden becomes a question, they fall apart on both ends. They don't maintain the intensity. And then for it to continue, when you come out for the third quarter, it shows how mentally fragile you are because you should be coming back. The starters who jumped out in the first, where's that same energy in the third then? 
because you showed it. Well, at least our, you should at least be thinking, well, our first unit guys are going back in now. We should be able to beat the mess out of these guys and get back in this game or, or extend the lead. They don't do it. And then when you get to the fourth quarter, your best players have not emerged in the fourth quarter. You're not seeing dominant. Brandon Ingram's worst quarter is the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. He disappeared. All season long. No He's matter gone. the opponent. Non-effective day. You made it, and we got to make it a T-shirt, brother. All right? When it comes to shooting three-pointers, what is it? Date him. Don't marry him. You date him, you don't marry him. Because they come out like gangbusters in the first quarter, they suck you in. All right? Just like the hot girlfriend that you have been wanting to get with for the longest time. Man, you have been hot and heavy behind this girl. And you in that first quarter, you finally get her. Man, she's wearing the right heels, the right tight jeans, the perfect little top, showing the cleavage, you name it, looking sexy, hair is perfectly long. You're like, yes. Then you get to that second quarter and you start to find out some things that just are kind of unnerving, but you're still, you're like, you're still in it. You're still digging her. You know, you're like, well, let me just kind of excuse this. And you're like, and now you don't realize that after the game in the fourth quarter, when you saw those signs and those issues in the second quarter, that should have been a sign for you to run for the hills or for you to address those issues. But you're like, well, no, let me give it to the third quarter. And you're like, but anybody else is just kind of like, I don't know. It's starting to look really, really suspect here. So the third quarter, like you said, you come out after halftime, nothing still. But you're still in games. You're still hanging around. And in the fourth quarter, you're just like, I should have ended this shit back in the second quarter when I first saw the signs that they didn't have it. Well, this is what this team is. You know, you can't continue to want turnip juice out of an onion. It don't work that way. These guys just are who they are. And I don't want to berate them. And I hate even having to do this with them. But damn it, you're not giving us anything. You're not giving us reason to say, you know what? They left it on the court. When have you ever seen the Pelicans and you looked at them and be like, you know what? Those guys are drained. They left it all on the court. They put everything that they had on the court. Dave, if that is not your moniker for everything you do, you are who you are. In the words of the great Denny Green, we are who we, th they are who we thought they were. Yes. It's just that simple. And I don't even want to talk about them so much anymore because they like, like ruined my day. They like ruined the game of basketball when there's so many other great things going on with basketball outside of them needing to shut things down still. Yes. Dude, they are frustrating. The defensive aspect is frustrating. The level of personal, personal pride is frustrating. I mean, you can, you, you, I'm going to leave it to you and I'm going to you know, get to the see, questions cause, you know, cause, that people had. Yeah, people ask the questions before we get into those questions. Well, let's go ahead. Let's, let's pull up the questions. All right. So, um, so the first question is going to go ahead and give a shout out. First of all, we definitely always want to be thankful to those who hit us up and follow us and who, who love to hear what it is that we're talking about. So first question is from It's Been 
20 years, 15. Well, I'll leave it at that. Jackson Hayes, why? Also, has any player ever looked more checked out, but like he's trying than what Bledsoe is doing this year? Oh, I got another one. Does Lonzo actually like basketball? So, referring to Jackson Hayes, why? Yeah. And Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe. We talked about Bledsoe. Bledsoe don't want to be here. And Lonzo, who just doesn't. I wish Lonzo. And did you see what LaMelo did last night as a starter? Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing, you know, the thing is that that look, LeVar wasn't wrong when he said LaMelo was going to be the best of the three and he said it wasn't going to be close. I think I think Lonzo loves basketball. I think Lonzo is also a dude that needs he needs positive reinforcement and he has never gotten, I think, in the NBA uh, the leash kind of, but there is a limit. I think there's also a ceiling that is Lonzo's ceiling is lower than LaMelo's. I believe that. But that's partial. But at the same time, I would say I do think Lonzo loves basketball. You don't get the things, the the innate things that he has. But I don't know if he loves competition. I don't know if he loves winning. I know he loves basketball, and those are different things. I think. I think he he because you you can't be that creative in something and not love parts of it. But I don't know mm. if he loves competing. I don't know. That's the part. I don't know if he loves to compete. I don't. You know what I mean, like. I believe he doesn't like competing, and I'm not sure if he loves basketball. I think maybe he he likes basketball because to me, he doesn't ever reflect his joy and his love for basketball. And that's why I say I don't think he loves it. I think he likes it and he's good with it. And he, you know, he does have some innate cerebral qualities. But I never see joy and fun from him. And that's, what make, and that's what makes me say he likes basketball. Because I say this, Dave, if you and I were to go on a basketball court right now, you can see the joy in our body language, in our face. Even when we're missing shots, we're balling. Like, we, like that is a love. I don't see that joy from him. Even when things are going well, I don't see that exactly. Now, this is a joyless basketball team. This is a joy. Even when they are doing well in the games, they are a joyless basketball team. As far as but Jackson, he was the same way. He was the same way in LA, though. Yeah, the, the same. That's just part of his DNA. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I don't think he loves it. I think that could be true. He, I mean, I, I think I, I don't know. I like the biggest thing for me though is even if you didn't love basketball, I'd rather you love competition, and that's the part. Is it like I need to. I need more guys on the, the Pelicans team who are competitors. That's because he was because he was good at the game and he picked the game up from his dad. We about to talk about it, another dude like that too. So, it, huh? I said we about to talk to another guy who just going along the same lines, but keep going. Oh, okay. Uh, because his dad put a basketball in his hand. Because he was good enough. And better than a lot of the cats he played against, um, he played with a level of, yeah, you know, basketball is cool. You know, I'm, I'm good with it. Whereas you can see in LaMelo, LaMelo, even when it came to, you remember they were in the backyard and LaMelo wound up beating Lonzo in the backyard. 
and LaMelo started running out. Ah, I got him. I got That's the level of excitement you're supposed to have. But here's the thing. You didn't see Lonzo pissed off that his younger brother beat him. First of all, you're supposed to never let that happen. You're supposed to do whatever it takes for that to not happen as the older brother. You're supposed to extend that game however you got to and until that's my either mom stops that thing or somebody just calls it quits and, and or, younger brother. Or we get into damn near a fight in that yeah. backyard. And I'm not, because I'm not losing. You, If the rules lose by two, you're never going to get the two. You never, never, never. I, if I have to file you 87 times until I stop you right the right way, you're never getting the two. Yeah, so those are things that bother you. And that's you why I that. say he's cool with it. He likes it, but he's not in love with this because I don't think – if you take basketball away from Lonzo, he comes across as one of those cats, well, I got money, so I got paid. LaMelo comes across as – a part of his heart would be dying if he couldn't play basketball and if he couldn't create on the basketball court. Like he, t- you can see LaMelo has taken it personal that he is going to make Charlotte a winning basketball team. Lonzo is just kind of like, I'm out here, I'm doing my job. Nah, I got a problem with that in my point guard. If you're yeah, there, was, there was a moment last night and Antonio Daniels called it out that, you know, late in the game, I think it was the last minute or so. And Lonzo got the rebound and went end to end and tried to go in for a layup and he got blocked by Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And AD said he had made that decision at half court. You know, Lonzo was like, he, he was going <laughs> to the rim and everybody could see it. So it was like, once you decide that, you, you've, you've let the defense know. Yes. If you make that decision, Quite literally, and you and I both know this, and from watching and everything, from even on the playground, the rule is if you're gonna take it like that, you better dunk it. You better. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't, you cannot lay that up. You can't take the risk that that shot's gonna miss because you put your head down at half court, and you said I'm going to the rim. You, you better, better finish. Dunk it. You, you, you have better finish. No choice to, but All to right. And when that you, didn't happen, it was like he was trying. To do something that's and, not in him, and, and yeah, it, it felt fake. <laughs> it felt fake, and that that this, sucks. That sucks because you don't want these guys to be that. You want them, and it's like you don't know why all the reasons are because you can't get into anybody's brains. But you, all you can do is evaluate the results, and the results are no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. But the like, bad thing is, is if you send them away, and people keep talking about this Kelly Oubre thing. Ubre gives you nothing of what you need. <laughs> it just gives you more of the stuff you don't. Don't. It's more selfishness, more indifference on defense, a dude who's looking for a contract. So what do you think Kelly Ubre is going to do? You think he's going to be just as inclined to give the ball to Zion? You think he's going to be as inclined to pass it to B.I. if he thinks that there's 20 points on the board that he can go get? Man, come on. That dude is not going to make – if you've decided – if you're David Griffin, because when you hire Stan Van Gundy, we're going to have to get into this, because when you hire Stan Van Gundy, we off topic to answer this question, but I don't give a damn. When you hire Stan Van Gundy, you said you were trying to win. That's what you told him. That's what you told him. That was the sell, because he didn't come out of retirement to do a rebuild. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
But now you see that this team is, which we said from jump, was not a well-built roster. Was way, not, way I, far away. Way no, far no away. No business. I, I said at best, if everything went right, they could get 33 wins. That, that doesn't seem plausible right now. So if you're saying at this point, now you readjust and you have, this is what organization, good organizations do. You don't stick, you don't keep going towards that iceberg if you can see it. Mm-hmm. An iceberg is you got to shift because the plan that you started two years ago ain't working right now. Mm-hmm. Well, then why would you bring in things that don't augment the two players, the two players that you have said that you were building your franchise around? And as Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, Zion. those are your two building blocks. Any player you get back in trade should do things that make their lives easier and make it easier for Stan Van Gundy to implement whatever he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. That's, not, that's far from Kelly Oubre. Matter of fact, if you watch Golden State now, Kelly Oubre is the only one that hasn't bought into nor, nor meshing with what Golden State is doing and what Steph and, and, and Draymond have got guys like Wiseman buying into. Wiggins is even playing better because Steph and Draymond have taken this role. Okay, we got to stop taking for granted that Clay is here and the guys who have us very cerebral in tune with us IQ. We've got to literally direct and produce and manage everything that these guys, we got to control everything that goes on. Kelly Oubre is the only one that is not understanding that concept. And the sad part about it is me and Kelly's dad grew up playing. Kelly's dad was a tough dude. Kelly doesn't, Kelly Uber Jr. doesn't bring that. And no disrespect to senior, but like I said, we grew up playing ball together. Tough, strong, physical dude who competed at a high level. Kelly Ubre does not, Kelly Ubre Jr. does not bring that. Also asked about Jackson Hayes, which is always fun to me to see your reaction. I wish people could see your reaction when we mentioned Jackson Hayes. Because <laughs> they were asking about say, Jackson I don't Hayes. Want no, I don't, he shouldn't play. You can't play him. He's unplayable because he's so bad defensively that you can't put him on the court. I don't care and when people say, oh, it looks like he was working hard tonight. The boy looks like he gets shot every time he tries to box somebody out. It looks like he's been shot. You see his arms <laughs> flailing and his legs and he ain't never can't box out a soul. Every time he tries to put a put back, it goes over the rim or under the does not have the base to dunk the ball off offensive glass. And then he doesn't defend at all. He's lost. He's running around chasing the ball. He doesn't know where his man is ever. He's dumb as a basketball player. I don't know him as a person, but on a basketball court, he has no sense of anything. Not space, not movement, not timing. He doesn't block so, shots. He doesn't. So what does he do? What does he do? So, so, what does he do? What does he do? What does he do? Y'all don't understand. I love to get my brother's goat by chunking Jackson Hayes with them. What does he, he do? So he basically, doing? D Grub, what you're saying is that Jackson Hayes, and we use this in the acting world. Can't play dead in the cowboy movie. And, no. and, and playing dead in the cowboy movie, all you got to do is just lay there. That's all you got to do is just lay there. Bruh, four fouls last night in 11 minutes, and they were all terrible fouls. <laughs> all terrible fouls. Not one of them could you defend and say, it was a good foul. It was a good foul. Good job. <laughs> Never. He just, every time. He and they started him. They started him. They started him. They started him. 
Oh my god! They started him. You know you got to come out the gate and have some defense. And you started him. You started oh my gosh! Him. That tells you. That tells you that that is not Stan Van Gundy's decision. Oh my god! That is that is on David Griffin, man. David Griffin. All right. Next James? question is from Tobias Spring. What sort of roster shakeup? Maze, makes legit sense. Makes legit, okay. Makes legitimate sense. I know we're not getting hardly anything from JJ. What about Gomez? Would Gomez be a better player, better fit than Hayes? And will that make him expendable? I think Hayes is expendable because you cannot babysit and grow this, grow all these kids. You have to let some of these kids go and find some more mature role players. You can't have you can't have five kids on the team and try to educate them all. It just doesn't work, especially when you have two. Like remember, Zion is twenty years old now, twenty. So if you're not gonna start putting people around him, he can't be hanging around Jackson Hayes. You can't have that dude be the one in the locker room sitting next to him and messing him up. Yeah, dude's out there before game shooting corner threes and playing nonsense. He has no routine. Which game, you will never, which you will never shoot. Nothing about that. Never. Never will be your shot. Like, you don't, you know, that was one of the first things that you learn when you walk in the gym, even as a shooter. All right. Even as a shooter, you don't just walk in the gym and start shooting threes from deep. What does no. Seth have? Seth, what does Steph have? He has a routine. Reggie Rout- Miller had a routine. Had a routine. I shoot this many shots, Jordan. I have a routine. Shaq, routine is what you do before the game. There's a routine. You're not goof. You're not goofballing around with shit that you will never do in game situations. But as a shooter, you walk in and you stand literally in front of the rim. Form shooting. Form shooting. Mechanics. Then you step to the side of the rim. Form nice. shooting. Mechanics. Then you step to the other side. Form shooting. Then you back it up, son. You started shooting off the backboard. Then you step back to 10 feet and you go around that way. Then you go back to 15 feet. You need the trajectory. You need to see the ball going through the rim. You need a routine. You need a rhythm. It's all muscle memory and mechanics. And this if you're shooting corner threes, when has he ever had a If he's shooting a three, the Pelican's already dead. So just throw it up there, boy. You ain't got to work on that. Ain't nobody expecting you to make that. You need to be having somebody with some pads underneath the post, pushing on you and get teaching you how to hold position. And you need somebody on both ends on defense. They should be teaching you how to hold position on offense. You should be working on holding position. That's all you should be thinking about and how to finish with contact. And he can't do that. He can't finish with contact. He can't finish, you know, on all on, on the offensive glass. And like I said, it looks like he's getting shot. He's to, he's a project, and you don't need a project when you have a losing culture. You can't afford too many projects, and you're dealing with two projects that you're trying to get right in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, and you think that Kyra Lewis Jr. has this huge upside, which he may. Kyra Lewis, I like Kyra. I like his attitude. I like Kyra, but, too, but yeah. You can't, I can't judge a 19-year-old after a few minutes, but, Ky, okay, you're building around Kyra. I think and, that, that your, your gnaw ceiling is probably good six-man. That's that's your null ceiling. I don't see him as a an elite shooting guard in the NBA. He doesn't have that that ability to me. But if that's what you have, you need more. You got too many variables and not enough constants on this roster. Remember 
that statement, and we can go back to it, talking about working with Jackson on his post presence, uh, coaches using dummies, remember that, and we'll finish up with that after the questions. So what are your, what are your feelings on Gomez? I think Hernan Gomez at least will – you saw it last night. He wasn't, he wasn't great, but, but what did he do? He, he did the little things. There you go. And, and so I'd rather have a guy who for 20 minutes is going to go out there and compete for me. He, could, he secured the offensive glass. He was active. He set screens. He knew where to go after he set the screen. He wasn't you know, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, not knowing what to do, where to go. He was engaged, and he made necessary intangible plays. He didn't do yeah. anything he couldn't do. He stayed within himself, and being within himself is enough. You know, I know he's not going to give you 13 and 11 every night. I know right. that. But right. I know that he will provide resistance on defense. He hit the offensive glass hard. Now, yes, you're playing against a small team in Sacramento that doesn't have a lot of size up front. But still, go get, he went and got the boards. So go mm-hmm. get him. He got, went and got five offensive boards. Yes. He still even, I mean, uh, yeah, he got his hands out there and he didn't turn the ball over. So he, he was active. So he was active. those things. And, and, and when you come off the bench, there are two things that have to happen. One, you have to be engaged and active on both ends of the court. And two, you just can't be a liability. If you stay within those confines, you're going to be productive. Even if the overall landscape doesn't work out, you have come in and you have done your job. And that's the important thing. You've done your job. All right. You'll definitely love this one from the bird calls. Is there a world in which turning Reddick into someone capable of giving 20 minutes at the four five is enough to make the Pelicans a legitimate playoff contender? No, because even if they get help at the four five, you still can't defend the wing and you can't stop dribble penetration. Exactly. And that's the thing about it is that the four or five is not responsible nor accountable for what's happening on that perimeter and on that wing. That four or five has to has to assist you because of your lack thereof. You you either need a two, three or a three, four. Somebody who can play those positions. You need a veteran in those spots who's primarily a defender because Brandon Mm -hmm. Ingram is continues to regress as a defender. Eric Bledsoe's not trying defensively. Nikhil Alexander tries. He gets his hands on some balls, but he doesn't, he's not going to get any steals. He's not really, you know, swiping. And, and he's not fast. Again, he's not fast. He can't stay in front of guys who are really great ball handlers. He's a good, he can be a good team defender. But mm-hmm. if, if the rest of the defense around him is bad, then he's not, he can't be good. And right. that's the whole thing is if you, you know the limitations of your roster, then your job as the, in the front office is to make that roster complement each other. And the Pelicans have guys who do not comp- – they don't they do. absorb the weakness of the other player. They just augment the weakness. You, you, you make it worse. Everybody who's bad at something, the other person you bring in is just as just bad. Just as bad. Or worse. Yes. All, that- you're doing, all you're doing and all you've done is expose how bad – they are across the board because there are no complementary pieces. We've talked about this three, four weeks ago. You have five players, 
but all of them are five individual players and none of them are conjoined. None of them are on a string. None of them, they always look clueless. So, next question. Tell us, tell us of Athens. Tell us of Athens. Why is the front office so bad at roster construction and free agent evaluation? Misses on Christian Wood, Melly, JJ, Miller, Jalil, Kenny Hustle, etc. Only hit so far is Adams, and they could have gotten him without even trading Drew. Then you got to talk to David Griffin because we've been saying that <laughs> for years. He made a mistake. And look, you you can't deny that drafting Jackson Hayes was a mistake, and you could you could argue very convincingly to me that if you had taken DeAndre Hunter at four, who is playing extremely good basketball for the Atlanta Hawks right now that the Pelicans wouldn't be in a better position because you'd have that defending wing. You'd have that guy who could, who could switch between the two to three and the four defensively. You'd have that if you had drafted him instead of Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So I think that you, you got to talk about that David Griffin had lucked into Zion Williamson and then every decision that he made after that, signing J.J. Redick, didn't once once the season was lost once you saw Zion wasn't coming back until the second half of the season it made no sense to keep JJ Reddick mm-hmm. so going into this offseason he was he, he was either he was lying or deluding himself in thinking that this was going to be a competitive team that was going to be worth keeping JJ around for so now you've lost value on JJ which quite frankly before the season began you and I specifically said J.J. had to go and had to. We said this before the season, D. D. Grub. Like, this is what's so baffling to me, bro. And we said, said too, they didn't need star players. They needed role players. They needed professional basketball players. And they failed to go get guys who augment those positions. You You didn't go get a backup center, a real legitimate backup center. You could have signed, again, there are guys out there every year on these one-year deals, vets, who will do what you need them to do. That's the one thing. It's like they're not going to give you 20 great minutes, but they're like you said, they don't take things off the table. And so you didn't go get those veteran-type guys. You wasted last year. You wasted an entire seat on your – two, you could have traded Etuan Moore, and you let Etuan rot on the bench, and you got nothing for it in the offseason. When there were teams that would have taken a career 40-plus percent three-point shooter – Gladly going into the postseason, they would have taken him. You got nothing for him. You kept and especially, especially when he went on some of the runs that he would go on. That was the perfect time to move from that situation. Just like we were talking about with Kyra. Okay, as much as we like Kyra, here's what concerns me about this: because he's young, him getting into a losing culture, then affecting him long term people don't understand when you're continually in a losing culture and you have guys who accept losing that becomes part of your dna as well for the rest of your career if you're a habitual loser not not you personally your organization you start to the organization and you start to take on traits and characteristics around you that becomes instilled and ingrained in you to the point that now even after a loss you're just kind of like oh well and that 
becomes a huge problem. That's just like the last question was about Nas. How has he dropped off from his 37-point game? And I'm going to attribute it more than anything else to his lack of playing time. You can only put up those numbers when you are getting the minutes. Last but he, night, he's also he also the he also has a problem at times because again, when you don't have when you have Brandon Ingram who's supposed to be the head of your offense, that's what they keep telling you that he that they want him to be this playmaker, which I thought was a bad idea um, in making him a primary playmaker because he he can only make plays. When he's in motion, he does not make plays well when he's standing still. Same thing for Zion. So when you put when you put Nikhil around ball players who are not smart, again, he doesn't have the physical advantages to take advantage of those things. So even if he plays 25 minutes a night, if he's not playing with smart and capable ball players, he's not lifted up. He's too young too. You know, he's still yes. trying to look. So absolutely he, he's go, he's relying on things that you know, you start getting desperate. How many times he got in the, the ball and there's less than six seconds on the shot clock and he's trying to make something happen. And then that, that happens to the Pelicans so much because the ball never moves. The ball never moves. But let me just run you his stat line last night. 18 minutes, yeah. seven points, seven points, two assists, one steal, uh, two of eight from the field, two of three from three, one of one from the free throw line. And more importantly, he didn't turn the basketball over. So again, and you get right to 36. And this is my point about Nikhil. Mm -hmm. I would rather have Nikhil on the floor, who I know is going to stay engaged. Yes, who is going to who is going to go north and south, who is going to push the gauntlet. You're also going to see players run defensively even though he lacks on ball defense he plays in the passing lanes I would rather have Nikhil out there giving him the minutes and the opportunity than I would having Eric Bledsoe out there and that's my biggest thing so again on that last one thanks to Lackland Alcock for yeah I I, I agree with you I'd rather but see this again this tells me that the minutes are not in Stan Van Gundy's control I can't believe that the minutes are in Stan Van Gundy's control because there's no way that Stan Van Gundy makes the decision to start Jackson Hayes. And he almost, he all but admitted it last night that some of these decisions have not been his own minutes. And that, and that is doing a disservice to him as a coach and is impacting this team because Dave, here's my thing. Players know. That's just what I was about to hit. As a player, you then won't even listen to what your head coach or other coaches are saying because they know they're not the ones in control of this shit. That goes on. And you're going to tell me that you're going to – see, this is when I don't like when organizations do this thing where they start talking about – you know, and, and Griffin got on the radio and he did it on, on one of the Pelicans broadcasts. He's talking about, well, we're family and we got to talk with love. And then when you, when, you, when you love people, you're honest with them and things – I don't need to hear all that from, from, from a sports organization. You're not a family, you're a business. And you're, you're in the business of winning basketball games, supposedly. That's the, that's the business that you're supposed to be in is winning. Ba- I don't need a family. These players don't, aren't looking for families. They're looking they got for their winning own situations. Family. That's what they're looking for is winning situations. Don't be my family. So if you're going to trade people, hey, then trade JJ. Go ahead. If you're going to trade Lonzo, then trade Lonzo. But let's not play this game here because you are not helping your team 
because your team is looking around and you got to be thinking if he's goes, who else is going? Is that cat out of here? Am I out of here? The only people in there that secure, you would have to think and probably thinking that he's secure too is Jackson Hayes thinking since the boss that protected him this far. So if he's getting starting minutes when he don't deserve them and he's getting minutes on games when he doesn't deserve them. So how does, you know, that locker room now is how can winning be the first thing on your mind when you know that those guys can't, the guys who are in the rumors can't be committed to that. Check this out. You know what creates love? Winning. You ain't got to talk about we're family and we're love. Winning will take care of that by itself. For him to say, we got to be more about love. We don't got, let me tell you something. D. Grubb and the vice versa, you on me. If you know I'm not holding up my level of what I'm supposed to bring to the table and you're not, I'd be damned if I'm not going to get in your ass. D. Grubb, you holding us back, baby, right now. I don't know what's going on with you, bro. But I effing need you right now. I need you to step and elevate your game. I don't know what's going on, bro, but we got to figure this out. We can only go as you go. People act like when you are giving toughness, that leads to tough love. That's okay. I love my parents for giving me hard-nosed tough love. I love my coaches who I respect and love to this day because they gave me tough love. It wasn't all this kumbaya. But the whole thing can't be, well, there are things that are unacceptable. Well, if it's unacceptable, because that's what he says, there are things that are unacceptable, then why are you keeping these people? Yeah, and where where is the stand-up and say, at some point, well, somebody has to name names. Somebody has to name names, and you neither name names by benching people, that's how you show naming names, or trading people, or cutting people, and you have... You have five to six spots on this roster right now that are non-productive because those are guys who don't even get off the bench. And when you have a losing team and you have six, five or six spots on your roster where you get nothing from them, then those are wasted roster spots on a losing team. It's one thing if you're the first place team in a league and you got four dudes that's just along for the ride. You can't be one of the worst teams in your, you know, the 14th team in your conference and you're talking about you got guys just sitting along for the ride? Come on, man. You, you have This is a poorly built roster, both in player composition and in mental composition. We are literally, that would be 19 games in. Let's not forget, there are only 72 games this season, so it's a shortened season. More than a quarter way through now. We, okay. So what you have displayed – it's pretty much the exact same thing that you have been showing in the past. You brought in different coaches, brought in different players. So the only thing that's left to address is the front offices, the organization, the culture, the landscape of it all. This is not hard to figure out. There's one common denominator in all of this. That has to be addressed. There is a, and I'm going to tell you what they're they're also starting to do. And the one thing you don't want to do is you start to lose Stephen Adams. Because Stephen Adams also isn't accustomed to playing with guys who don't leave it all on the court as well. He's accustomed to teams that fight for everything. Think about what he had to do in OKC. 
and the guys that were there with him in OKC. Even last year with CP3 there, he's accustomed to guys who are used to fighting and being in any situation and battling. He's not getting that from these other guys on this team. And he doesn't want to get stuck in a situation that he gets disgruntled that he's going to want out when he is really the only stronghold that you have inside of that paint. You can guarantee he's going to get you 12, 15, even 20 rebounds like he did the other night by himself alone. You have got to give him something. The overall landscape of this basketball team is not winning. It's not winners. Point blank. And the whole thing, I, I think it's also a misnomer when people say you let teams take their lumps because I've never seen that before. <laughs> Show me the championship team that took its lumps. Show me. Remember, Show me. You, remember LeBron, you remember LeBron said, being that it was a long last season in the bubble, the playoffs, they weren't going to play the first few games and they were going to relax and take it easy. Uh, just so you know, the Lakers are 16 and 6, and LeBron and AD – have not taken games off. But show me where these teams are that take their love. And, and, and that's my point. For, yeah, lose for years to. and years. The the championship teams don't accept that, nor even speak that, nor even have that culture. You don't do that. That's not what winners do. That's not what success. Success doesn't breed. Well, let's go through our struggles right now. No, no. Super what Bowl's team did up. it? What Super team Bowl's did it? What team has got a championship that did it? Okay. Super Bowl's coming up on Sunday. Do you think Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay saying, well, you know, I'll give it two years and see how it goes in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady went down there with a mission of, listen, and, that's, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I bring it up for another reason too. Um, but Tom Brady goes to Tampa. Okay, yeah, I may be older. I'm have to change some things about me. I'm going to rely on this. I'm going to rely on that, so on and so forth. But damn it, I came to Tampa Bay to be in the same position I am in right now. You know why? Because he's accustomed to winning. This is the way winner's mentality work. Winners don't think about, well, let me go through my lumps. We're always thinking about winning now. 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 There is no timetable for winning. Winning starts when you start winning. <laughs> like, it's that simple. You are bad or you are winning. That, there's That's it. That's it. And like, I didn't see, like, we, when you talk about these teams that, that you said took their lumps, Denver didn't really take their lumps. Denver got good real fast. Real fast. Real fast. Now, they didn't take that. They had to figure out some things. They had to make some trades. But they made those trades, and they kept the people that they wanted to keep, and they kept building around it. Go grab a Paul Millsap. Go grab this, grab this. And, you get, and they made the team that they wanted to make. But they made a lot of trades to get to that point. The teams that you talk about, people take Minnesota been taking their lumps for how many years now? Yeah. How many years the Bulls been yeah. taking lumps? How many years the Bulls been taking lumps? How many years the Knicks been taking lumps? Orlando, how many lumps they got? How many lumps is Charlotte taking? You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's thought they've had their young players in, in their core together and said, we're going to take our lumps with these young dudes. No, you got to decide at some point which ones are keepers and which ones are losers. And it's not about losers as in they, they are bad people, but as do they help your team win? win. And you can't just be living on this potential stuff forever. You got to decide and you got to go after, you got to get winning players, players who contribute to the act of winning. Talent is not enough. Yes, you need the most. Yes, having the most talent helps. It doesn't hurt, 
But, but look, you still have to go out right there. Now. Look at even the with all the right talent, now. even with the talent, you still have to go out there and put it into action to win games. The Nets, the Nets have an overabundance of talent at the top, right? They got three of the top ten players in the three league. Of the three of the top ten. At, at, depending on how where you want to see Kyrie. So you got three mm-hmm. of the top 15 players in the league. Mm-hmm. And they don't have enough team players. That's why you end up giving up 149 points to the damn Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards. In regulation and losing to them. That's how that happens. You don't have enough team twice. players. Twice. That's something they lost twice this year. Yeah. Too. So twice. are you going to ever bet on the Wizards, I mean, on, on the Nets this year to win a championship? No, because they don't have – a team of basketball players. You don't have the guys who are going to move the ball, that extra pass. You don't have the guys going to box out for that rebound. You don't have the guys going to stand in and take a charge when you need it. You don't have the guy who's going to tell everybody, all we need is three stops. We don't need another bucket right here. We can get a bucket. We got James Harden. We got Kevin Durant. I got Kyrie Irving. I got Joe Harris. We got to get a bucket, but we need three straight stops to separate us from this team right now. And they don't have a single soul to do that. So I'm not going to believe in the Nets for that shit right there. And it's until I see that from them, until you see that from uh, from the Clippers, until you see that from some of these other teams, I know the Jazz will do that as a group. We'll say, we got to get three stops and we'll come out. I know LeBron and AD will say, okay, they don't score for the next five minutes. I know mm-hmm. that they will, nah, that may not happen, but they'll try it. Mm-hmm. I know that I know that in Boston they will say Jalen Brown will go out there and I know Marcus Smart said it. These dudes ain't gonna score for the next couple minutes. Yep. If you won't do that, if you don't have enough guys who buy into that philosophy and can do that for six, seven minutes when your shot is not going down, which is gonna happen in every game and it's gonna yes. happen twice as often in the playoffs. If you mm-hmm. don't have people who can mentally get through that, you will never ever win anything. And you keep talking about. We're going to take our lumps. We're going to take our lumps. You know what that lump that you keep taking becomes? A big-ass, huge mountain. You put lump on top of lump on top of lump. That's what you become. And then here's the other thing. You will then have free agents who are, like, telling their agents, dude, I ain't going to the Pelicans. That's what you're creating when you're saying you're accepting lumps right now. You're accepting number chasers. Dude, I'm not trying to go down here and just – tolerate some losing i'm not what if, if this is what you are speaking of we're gonna have to go through our struggles why why do you feel as though you have to go through your struggles if you don't hold people accountable in your team and your players accountable yeah that's the mindset of what losers that's the way losers think winners do not think of i'm gonna have to go through my struggles i'm gonna have to suffer this no no winners are like whatever the hell it takes I got to do. We're going to do. We're going to win. That is a mindset. That is an overall prime example. Okay. The Clippers are 16 and five, but you haven't heard every other game Kawhi taking off. Nope. Because Tyron Lou is holding them accountable. You're going to be stars. Well, guess what? This is what you do as a star. End of story. You want to be in charge of this team? You can't sit out because we talked about it last year. All that does is create division between your other players. For as much as Montrez Harrell provided the Clippers, he couldn't wait to get the hell out of there because he saw 
what was happening in that organization and what the culture was that they were creating. You're, you can't create this prima donna mindset, but expect others to go out here and ball out. Hold on, you're yelling at me about shit that you're not yelling at him about. Don't do the prima donna thing. We're trying to win a championship all together. You cannot have that division. Nope. Let me ask you this. So, and I don't know where you want to go with it, but did you hear what Clay Thompson said about Rodney Magruder the other night when they played Golden State after yeah. the game? And that's championship. That's how champions act. <laughs> that's how they act because they don't. And that's they why not, I wanted to mention that. That's not, why he I and, wanted to mention and, and then Draymond goes on the three-minute thing afterwards talking about him like, Rodney Magruder? Like, right, really? You taking offense to something? You're Rodney. You weren't even in the game. And it wasn't about you and you're taking offense to it. This is what champions do. They are insulted. They are insulted when peasants come checking for them. And that's what they are saying. They're saying, Clay Thompson's like, dude, that, that dude does not belong on a court with me. He's not even going to be in the league <laughs> in a minute. I loved it. I've had a torn ACL and I blew out my Achilles. I'm going to be back and I'm still going to be better than Rodney Magruder. And he doesn't I care. Loved it. Now, did you see which he's he was only saying this, in my opinion, just to cause a stir, because that's what he does. Because you and I both know Kendrick Perkins, when he played ball, would have said the exact same thing that Clay Thompson said. But now all of a sudden, he wants to down Clay. Oh, what Clay said was foolish. It was, dude, I know Kendrick one on one. Kendrick Perkins would have said the exact same thing and would have been insulted and took offense if Rodney Magruder would have came at him. If he, when he was with the Celtics and somebody would have said anything to him or Rondo or KG or uh, that group or Paul Pierce, Kendrick would have been right in the middle of it talking about who are you? We're not The same thing. He did it to He's LeBron. He did it. They did it. it to the. He did it to LeBron when he was with the Celtics. He was like, "We're not scared of you. We're not intimidated." That's what the Celtics thing was. So he I don't. He did it to get likes. He did it just to make him so. Just like himself. he lied about his whole thing about Stan Van Gundy. Remember, he was like, "Stan Van Gundy yeah. gonna be a great coach for great the coach. He gonna yeah. bring more cop. He gonna bring. He wouldn't be my first choice, but he gonna bring discipline and culture. He gonna bring that. Let to me say this. And now and let me say this. And let me say this. With Stan Van Gundy, I, I I know he's a good coach. I believe in him. He's a tough-minded coach, and that's what this team needed. That was him. And now first of all, y'all thought he was and then first of all, and then and then first of all, you know, I mean, man, you know, cause cause, cause that's what I, you know, because that's what I'm thinking. It, can you, dude, stop it. But I had to touch upon that real quick. I'm yeah, just like, I mean, dude, but it, for it, those who don't know Kendrick, Kendrick was the same guy and would have said the exact same thing if somebody came at him. And that, that's, again, that's that. Steph Curry was Steph Curry when he stepped foot into the NBA mentally. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing. It's like he didn't change himself mentally. Physically, his body had to get right. But skill-wise and mindset, and, and I mean, and, and, and his mindset, the same dude that was carrying that Davidson team to the Elite Eight, knowing full and dang well that Davidson don't belong nowhere near Elite Eight, <laughs> if you believe that Steph Curry at those moments didn't walk around and with the biggest nuts on, on campus and, and was constantly now like, do you see what I'm doing? 
Like you see these cats with me and you go and then take that into the NBA and that shimmy, that shake, the things that he does, the, the looseness of his mouthpiece, <laughs> that is the ultimate in confidence. That's what they talk about. When you are relaxed and then you are confident, those are the things they talk about with Jordan's tongue is the ultimate sign of his relaxation. I am letting this out because I feel comfortable. So when you see these types of things, that's what people who are elite athletes, the birds, when they, they, like, that's why Larry Bird can walk away. That's why he can talk to you during the game and say, I'm going to take two dribbles to my right. I'm going to turn back left and I'm going to shoot this three in your face. This, nothing, nothing you can Because do. this is their realm. You are nothing but a puppet in my game. And you use that same reference. And I've told this story a million times. I had never been more fearful of anyone in my life than when I was in Chicago's free agent camp and Jordan walks in and decides to play with us, the last few free agents, to make their free agent team. And this SOB is telling me everything he is going to do and looking at me, and there ain't a damn thing you can do because you are in my world. This is mine. I will tell you what I will do and you can't do shit about it because I am the baddest motherfucker on this planet. And Steph Curry, like you said, he has always had that chip on him. As I've always said, Steph Curry is the most disrespectful basketball player in the game with the shit that he does because you don't expect that out of him. But the man is an assassin. What do you do? What, show me the joy. Show me the last MVP that wasn't self motivated, motivated by either arrogance or fear. Because if you look at a dude like Kawhi Leonard, who could be an MVP at one point, but is also one of the great players in this league. Kawhi, nobody had to tell Kawhi how to be great. Remember this dude that they talk about the stories at San Diego State. Board man gets paid. Board man gets paid. Kawhi was focused on where he was going. Going. It, it, it didn't matter. It's those guys. Kevin Durant. Remember when they said, when they asked Kevin Durant in that locker room at times, and he said, you know who I am. Yeah, you know who I am. You know who, you I, know who am. I am. That, yeah. that is, there aren't many people who can say <laughs> shit like that, and you don't blink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, you don't blink when they say it, because when Kevin Durant said, you're like, you got damn right you know who he is, because he's going to hit that shot. You believe him. <laughs> you believe him. <laughs> and do. do you believe that like i'm do you see that look and i'm i'm being honest do you see that look in I know. eye do you see that look in Zion williamson's eye do you go. see that yet and i there don't not now and that's what we are talking about pelicans fans is the fact that there is just a killer look there is a killer demeanor there is a killer swag there is a killer mindset that you have to have and nobody and I mean, nobody on this team has it. That's it. Stop trying to make something that's not there. It's not. But all you're doing also is if David Griffin doesn't pull the strings that need to be pulled, you are not making it inviting for guys to want to be here or come here. You and think if Zion, think, You think Zion will go three years? Because he ain't going to playoffs this year. So you think he would go three years? And miss the playoffs or be an eight and do because you you are literally looking at the AD situation again. We are doing this all over again right now. And Zion ain't gonna sign the extension like AD did the first nope. time around. He ain't gonna no, do sir. it. No, sir, D Grub. 
not going to happen. That would not be smart on him as a player, nor on a businessman. Of course, I'm, I'm, whatever it is, I'm like, all right, y'all, we're going to play this out. I'm going to take my little, I'm going to take my, you can exercise your option all you want, and I'm going to play this out. Because I'm going to hold you up. When, when AD did that the first time, you and I talked about it at the time. Because you knew. You would, you you knew. As soon as the contract got signed at 1201, you, you knew what was going down. <laughs> and what did we do? The first thing we said was, why would he sign it at 1201? Why would he sign it? He gave yep. up all of his leverage with the franchise to make them be better because he's already <laughs> under contract. And that's the same thing. This time, I don't think Zion would. Because there are so many similarities. Strong father figure. Yep. who has a lot of influence on the career. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People on the outside, whether it's Jordan Brand, whether it's the NBA itself, people who want to see Zion Williamson succeed, and they would love to, hey, they would love, for, I'm, I'm not going to say there's a conspiracy because there isn't. They would love for it to be here in New Orleans, but it ain't working. They've given New Orleans every benefit of the doubt. They gave you everything that you could possibly do. They've helped you find leaders. They've helped you find, build, upgrade all your stuff. And here you are, you are still the same. So again, if I'm Zion Wilson, yeah, I'm not in any rush to sign anything. Anything. No, sir. There's no way on God's green earth I am. And that's the and, and, and that's what you're putting yourself in. You're putting yourself in this position where nobody is going to want to be here. And when you come to New Orleans, you're going to look at it as this is a death sentence and I'm on my way out of the NBA. Because as you mentioned, the NBA wants the Pelicans to be successful because they've already put this big, this big moniker on Zion. Think about it. The holiday games, the primetime games, because they wanted to be elevated and win. They want, but, Why do you think they keep coming here for all-star games? They want this market to succeed. And it ain't. It's not. It's not. And then you have a viable city like Seattle who's cringing at getting a franchise back in Seattle, which is still a travesty to me that the Seattle Supersonics don't even exist. Because some of my favorite players growing up played for Seattle. The world be freeze. I mean, bruh. I mean, my man, people don't know, my man Dale Ellis back in the day. Dale used to give cats the business, man. You know, you know, I mean, bruh. So it's like, as an organization, again, we alluded to it. There's one common denominator that has been here across the board with all the changes that have been made. And Griff has got to, people are getting tired of hearing him as well. Mm-hmm. They is really it are. Sound, it's, it's, the thing with Griff is it sounds like he tried to sell you two different things two years in a row. He, you cannot sell. A, you can't sell competitiveness and rebuilding at the same time. Either we're a playoff team or we're not. Don't, don't. But he sold last year again. It was, we're going to kick people's ass. We're going to do all this. And you ain't kick nobody's ass. You said this year is going to be a tough-minded, disciplined team. And that is not who they are. And you have done, again, my biggest problem is, not only that is that you did not take opportunities to fill out this roster in ways that would make the team better. Last year, you didn't. You refused to add a veteran point guard, refused to add a veteran big man when your big men went down. 
this year. You have refused to go find a wing uh, defender. You have refused in these moments to go get a big, or you've let Willie Hernan Gomez rot on the bench for no other reason than, than because you want to see what Jackson Hayes is while you compromise the floor for those guys who are competing to win. You can't do that. If my job is to win basketball games, you cannot put me in a situation as a player that inherently makes it harder. It's one thing if you just made bad decisions, if you pick the wrong guys. But when you pick guys who ain't even playing or you pick guys that have no value at all, that's the, that's my it's like you see the problems. The holes are there. They could have been filled and he chose not to fill them last year and he's choosing not to fill them this year. He didn't do it in the offseason properly. And it just feels like this team is paying a lot of money, a lot of money in salary, up near the cap. And this is what you are? It's a poor business model. It's a poor business model, bro. And it's only going to get more expensive. You have a non-effective business plan that is not working. So you have got to pull the strings and make the moves. You have got to, because like you said, it ain't going to get no better. And again, you're adding more layers to this lump and another lump and another lump. And now the mental stability of the players that are there are buying into all the lumps and just accepting the fact, hey, let's just go out here, do our jobs and get our paychecks. All these back-to-backs over the next several weeks, back-to-backs, back-to-backs that are going to be taking place. And you keep losing them. You keep losing them. You keep going these two and three weeks, you know, or one and four weeks. And one and three, you know, bro, you, you, there's no that's way. That's not that winning. They're not that's going not to care. They can't. There's no way you can convince those players to care at a certain point when they're losing like that. It's just it's the nature of the beast. You show up because you got to show up. But if I know I'm not competing anymore, there's nothing in front of me for competition and I'm not going to be here next year, most likely either. I'm sorry. It changes your They've checked out. They're checking out. And this is what I'm saying. They put the uniform on because it's my job so I can get my paycheck. But I have already checked out, dude. Like, this is not going anywhere whatsoever. And analytics doesn't tell you that. Watching a player's body language tells you that. Watching them with their lack of passion, their lack of, 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 of personal pride, that is is evident on a basketball court. You can't three-point shoot your way into giving a damn. You can't pace your way into giving a damn. You know what I'm saying? Ain't none of that shit going to make you play basketball or compete in anything that way. Nothing is going to do it. It's either you want to compete or you don't. Or you don't. It's, it's that simple. And I would rather a team. It's the reason that people held on to that crappy Hornets team that year when Dan Dickow was out there balling. People resonated with that team because they knew they had not a single NBA player really on that roster. But those dudes competed every night. And this team they has fought. far more talent than that. And they do, and not, they do not fight. Compete. They have they if they, you kick sand in their face and they, they leave. They leave. They need to go get the whatever that was, Joe Weeder or whomever it was. <laughs> the comic books when you looked in the back and said, you know, don't let them kick Sandy face on the beach. Need, I mean, it's just you, you either so, want it or you don't, man. You either want it or you don't. And this team. We also touched upon. We also touched upon 
the Jackson Hayes thing. And it makes me wonder what are they really doing in practice? Because it shouldn't take me as a coach to start using the dummies on you in preparation for a game. They can't do a lot of, I know they can't do a lot of five on five right now. They can't. No, no. no so they I'm not talking about five on five. Yeah. I'm talking about if I'm Still a big man. Exactly. I'm talking about player development. If as a player, you walk out onto the court and you are jacking up shots and you're goofing around in areas where you will never shoot a basketball. And that lets me know you have piss poor practice habits. Because if you have good practice habits, whether your coaches are out there with dummies pushing you around, you're going to automatically go to where you put in your work at. Yep. And then that's very apparent. Jump hooks from this post. I'm going to go to the block and shoot, but do my micings. I don't know. Whatever it is to get you started. My drop I, steps, my. Where am I supposed to be getting my shots from during the course of the game in the construct of an offense? Those are the moves you work on. If you are doing anything else beyond that, that lets me know there is no level of accountability. You have piss poor practice habits. Or lastly, as I've had coaches say before, you see when you start doing shit like that and we're not correcting you, that's because we've given up on your ass as well. Yep. Yep. It's point. It's just that simple. So I wonder exactly what are they doing in their practice session that would make Jackson Hayes? Because to me, you can't, I don't care how, how, how much of a goofball you are. You can't be that damn goofy that you don't know. You will never in the history of your game, take a shot from out here. So why are you goofing around? And then you have some people go, well, you know, it's okay to just have fun. No, it's not okay to have fun. It's not as game a time. You know, it's fun. It, winning, winning is fun. Winning is fun. I like winning. Winning is fun and winning creates love in your coach. Think of how many times we've been in locker rooms with guys we don't even freaking like. But because we're winning, we're cool. We're championship good. teams, you always see it. We wrap on this. Old championship teams, you see them. They love each other. You ain't never seen a 20-year reunion of a team that got beat in the first round. You ain't never seen them dudes holler at each other. Never. You know what I'm saying you ain't never seen never. the 30 and 52, the 19 and 63, 76s, the ones that had the worst record of all time. They don't call each other. They don't hang out. Hey, Negro, you cost me money. You know how bad you were that year. Come why on. Why do you think? Why do you? Th- why do people think Charles gets so much heat from Kenny and Shaq? Because if there was a championship ring club. Uh, Charles, we got to close the door on you. You're not a part of this. And they, they did that to him, Bussard. They did that Dude, to him. Dude, this, this is an elite club, and winning puts you at an elite level. There's nothing else. Winners do not say losing things. Oh, we got to take our lumps. We got to learn from it. No. No. The only lump you're going to have is me busting you upside your damn head. That's going to put a lump on your head. Otherwise than that, No. No. no, and you don't want somebody in the foxhole with you that thinks that way. You just don't. No, that they, that it's gonna be tomorrow. There, is, hey, there's no tomorrow, dude. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised to be a better team next season. You are not promised to have a career next season. Nope. There's only today, and that's there's it. only this game, this one game, and that's why that's I don't it. get caught up. And we have never, we never sit around and talk about. 
um, wins and losses in the sense of what's a good win or a bad win. We every time we are talking about performance, we are looking at performance because you can win games and not be good. You can be fooling yourself by getting bad habits and winning some games here and there. Generally, you will be exposed. At some point, you will be exposed. And the Pelicans are exposed. Everyone in the league knows that they are not tough. Everyone in the league knows that they will not contest. Everyone in the league knows that if you put pressure on them, they will fold mentally. Everyone in the league knows that when they when the going is hard, they stop relying on each other and go to individual play. Everyone in the league knows that they cannot feed Zion the ball in the post. You are a simple team to figure out. And that's it's, it, it, it. you can't beat people that way when you are simple. And you know I mean, you, you basic. You're basic. That's what it is. I got nothing else to say. And I don't like no basic chicks. I like foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. You tell them uh, how they can follow you and catch up with you. And we're going to get out of here. <laughs> and yes, that goes out specifically to my sister, Desiree. I'll be talking to you, sis. Uh, <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Uh, of course, on Twitter, you can follow me at Dino the Dean. On the scene, Dino Hoops 11. Same thing on Instagram, Dino Hoops 11. D I N E A U X Hoops 11. And of course, on Facebook, man. As always, my brother, I greatly appreciate you, man. I love that we do this, man. And Greatly appreciate those who ask their questions and hopefully yes. we answer everything for them. And we yeah, and appreciate we it, love bro. doing this for the fans and we do it our way and, yeah. and thank y'all for responding to it. And um, we're yeah. going to be back again uh, next week and do it again um, at the normal That's time because right. uh, there'll be plenty more to talk about with this team and around the league. I'm sure there's going to be some big moves coming very soon around the NBA. So for Dino Hanson, I am David Grubb. Y'all know how to get me at DM Grubb on Instagram and Twitter and the website HITPWithDG.com. Buy you some merchandise. It's good stuff. It's cold outside. Get a sweatshirt. Get a hoodie. Get something. Uh, and until the next time, this has been. Okay.